So we're going to think about that reading that Jesus spoke about. Last week we talked about uh, Pentecost, you know, the, where the people were gathered. Jesus says to his disciples, he said, uh, you've witnessed me, you've been with me for three years, you've gone through hell, you've gone to the cross, you ran away, you failed, you miserably failed. I, we, we got back together again, you know that I'm risen, you know that there's something extraordinary about me, you can't even put words around it, you're still trying to work it all out. And he's, he, he, they're meeting together, they're terrified, the Romans might crucify them as well. It's not a, uh, it's not a fun time. And he says, wait in Jerusalem until you receive power. In other words, despite all you know and all you've experienced and all your encounters with me, you still are not going to be able to walk with me now unless something extraordinary happens within you. And the Holy Spirit is what God's released in Eden. The Holy Spirit is what got blocked out because of, of sin. Because sin basically, as you know, I in the middle, there's this battle that goes on throughout human history, throughout every human being, is who's in charge. The battle is always about who's in charge. In my life, in the church, in the community, it's always about that with human beings. Who's in charge? Who's calling the shots? And, uh, you know, we talk about it in churches. The one thing we've learned in human history is that agreeing on principles doesn't work. That if you want to find unity and you get together and you, you, you put together some big statement and say, now we are united around this statement, it'll last about five minutes. And then somebody will decide they don't agree with something. And so they'll have to go away because they can't say yes to that. And uh, the reality is that God... I was reminded of this during the testimonies where in my first church when I was ordained in Cape Town, I was... I mean, have you ever wanted to leave a church because you're frustrated? Just thought I'd ask. You think you're alone? God probably wants to most of the time. Because you've got good reasons to leave because the people are disappointing or this. You know what it is. And I was wanting to leave the church I was meant to be sharing leadership with because it was just difficult. And the guy I was working with was difficult. And God showed me this picture, and I've shared it before, but I just think I'll share it again, uh, which is, uh, he just said, John, if you had a, a leg that had gangrene in the foot and it was going to be probably amputated, what would you do? And I said, I'd look for help. And I would look hard. And he said, why? Because it's the only one I've got. And he said, well, that's how I feel about the church. And there are way too many people, including you, John, who are bailing out every time there's something seriously wrong. But I only have one church. And I want you to be as committed to my body as I am to you. And we're living in a season where there's so much cherry-picking, there's so much offense, there's so much argument, there's so much pulling away from stuff that God is actually saying, I'm not wanting you to pull away, I'm wanting you to pull through. And what I want you to do is I want you to listen to what goes on inside you as you get into these places and then take ownership of yourself so that you can actually make a difference pulling others through instead of asking me to change everybody else so that you can walk through like Moses in the Red Sea. It's not going to happen. I would love you to stop being offended. 
I would love you to stop blaming. I'd love you to stop gossiping. I'd love you to stop murmuring. And just look in the mirror and let us deal with us and watch what happens. You know the definition of cancer is one rebellious cell and then it always spreads and they, they are difficult to deal with. Well, guess what? One Christian cell filled with the Spirit can have as much impact or more, making a difference. So when Jesus talks to his disciples in John 14, what does he say right at the beginning? And this is also, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit because he models this all the time. I mean, imagine you've got the Father who creates, you've got the Spirit who empowers, you've got Jesus who has the personal relationship side. I mean, imagine if they disagreed. The Father wants to reach out to John and, and, the, and, and uh, the Holy Spirit says, I'm not sure. And Jesus says, not today. I mean, imagine if they spent most of their time arguing, but they model this continual interdependence of one. And Jesus says in, in John 14, verse 23, the first thing he says is, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. Did you hear what he said there? He said, everyone who loves me who is therefore responding to my love. In other words, the bottom line for God in every initiative and every relationship is love. Not agreement. Not doctrine. And we're going to see this later on as well. And the reason why that's so compelling and the reason why we don't like it is because it calls us up. Because love is not about how you think about stuff. Love is about how you turn up and how you regard others. He doesn't say if you like. He says, if you love. I say this many times. Jesus didn't wait till he liked the thought of going to the cross. He so loved the world that he went to the cross and he didn't like it one bit. And God is looking for a church and looking for people in a church who stop worrying about what they like and don't like and actually just love. And you see, the promise and the problem is that you can't do it without God's Spirit which is what we talked about last week with Pentecost, where God doesn't have a lot of sympathy for us when we go, oh, I don't know how to do that, I can't do that. Lord, you know it's too difficult. Have you ever prayed prayers like that? Lord, you know it's too difficult for me. Lord, I'm overwhelmed. And most of your prayer is describing your defeat. I mean, I prayed lots of prayers like that. You know, It's not really helpful at the end of the day. Because have you ever been with somebody and you tried to help them but they won't turn around to get the help? And how frustrating it is? I mean, if they'll only do and fill in the blank. So we have great advice for other people. Don't we? I mean, I can fix your problem. But mine, that's a different matter. And we have great excuses too because we accuse each other. Like, I mean, if you only got your act together, da-da-da-da, fill in the blank. In our heads or out loud, or to somebody we shouldn't be talking to. But we have opinions. And then when it comes to us, we have excuses. Oh, but you don't understand. My mother died when I was young, and I'm still dealing with that. And I've got this, and I've got that, and I've got that. And we make a lot of allowances for ourselves. We're actually very, very gracious to ourselves. Unless we're a little bit more scarred, and then we just accuse ourselves and beat ourselves up with everybody else. That's another thing. But we are interesting in the way we live. 
And Jesus used to, he looked at Jerusalem and he'd been into this Jerusalem many times and he said, how I longed that you would come to me but you wouldn't. I wonder what he's saying over each one of us today. I wonder how much of his presence and his help we are actually receiving or whether he's going, how I longed that you would but you won't. And we keep talking to him and he's right behind you saying, I'm here, I'm saying yes and amen, but if you just stop shooting your mouth off, come closer. The first thing he says to you and to me is, do you love, do you love me? But I want to talk about it. He said, I'm not interested in talking about that. Do you love me? I love you. But if you love me, you I love you. Give me a hug. But I want to... He says, no, 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 you don't understand. You won't hear any of my words if you don't feel my embrace. You won't hear any of my presence. You won't receive any of my power unless you receive my embrace. How many times... Some people love to be hugged. Others are a little awkward. But God doesn't mind. How many times a day do you need to be hugged? When were you last hugged? Some of us, it's been a long time. Others of us, it's lots. How easy are you with words? Sometimes our words need to be filled in with substance. I can tell you one of the hardest things in the last few years has been to be told, I love you, John, and to be knifed in the back kind of done with that. Words are cheap. They're easy. Laying down your life because Jesus laid it down for us, for me, is where the testimony comes. We can't do that without the Holy Spirit. Last week we were talking about you know, what do you think it looks like? How did God fill the disciples? He can't fill somebody who is full already. He can only fill those who are empty or getting emptier. And so one of the things the Holy Spirit does is he shows us our sin or our weakness or our rebellion, not to condemn us. He just says, give it to me because as you give it to me, you, you become emptier and then I can fill you with the opposite of that. But if we insist on it all making sense in our heads, we will never move off square one because we will always be justified. Satan is a very good lawyer at accusing. Jesus is a very good lawyer through the Holy Spirit as an advocate. So you and I need the Holy Spirit much more than we realize. The Holy Spirit isn't a dumb waiter. The Holy Spirit isn't, God, I need this, God, I need this, God, I want this, bless them. You know, just who the heck do we think we are sometimes? Like, God is not my servant. And sometimes we just need to check ourselves and go, how am I speaking to him? What's in our hearts comes out of our mouths and our thinking. That's why the Holy Spirit, the way to know God and the way to grow with God is to listen to the inside, not don't give the outside authority. The outside is where we've been groomed. The outside is where we've been conditioned. We live from the outside in apart from Jesus and it will always overwhelm us and it will always defeat us 
And Jesus came to say, live from the inside out and you will have victory of the outside. The only person, they, they talk about this in golf and many sports, the only person I can control is me. The only person I can take responsibility for is me. And when I stand before Jesus, no matter what anybody has ever done to me, Jesus is just going to say, so how did you show up? Because all I have is yours. And every but will be just negated. No. But it's not fair. No. I'm asking you and me, how did we show up? Imagine. I never blamed anybody else ever again for anything. Doesn't mean they not they're not issues. It doesn't mean you don't tackle stuff. I'm merely just saying I didn't blame them. I just went, I guess you've got to deal with this. Doesn't mean I don't set up boundaries. It doesn't mean I don't have opinions. It doesn't mean you don't do stuff. It just means I'm not going to blame you, but I'm also not going to be held victim by you either. As Danny Silk says, if you want to do that, you can do that, but you're just not doing it here. So you think about God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I'm just trying to think of examples. One of the examples that most people have learnt on if you've been in a church for any length of time is God is three in one because in the Greek times they had all these gods. They had many gods and goddesses so they just said, oh, Christianity is just another one. They've got three gods. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, who cares? And they spent about 300 years in the early church actually saying, how the heck do we compl- explain this thing? Of It's not three, it's three in one. And so... Somebody said, well, it's like water. It's, it's, it's liquid and it's vapor and it's ice. Same thing in different forms. Or you could say, what happens if the world is a restaurant and, the, and God, is, God is the owner of the restaurant? The Father is the owner of the restaurant and, and Jesus cleans the dishes and sweeps up and serves and the Holy Spirit empowers it. Is the maitre d' who sort of welcomes people and gives them a good experience. I don't know. It's so many different things. But they all interconnect. You can't have one without the other. See, the Spirit is like water. It's often referred to in the Scriptures as like water. So how much... And, and, and the natural often gives us a clue to understand the supernatural. Jesus often used the natru- natural things to explain supernatural principles. So you know the body is cons- is consists of how much? Water. Come on, take a guess. I don't know either. It's about 80%. 80% of water, that's all you are. You're just one big puddle in skin. How's that? Some of us are bigger puddles than others. Turn it around. Imagine if you were 80% substance and 10, 20% water. You'd need to hydrate. Yeah. Well, think about it. Turn it around. 20% subs- uh, 20% water and 80% substance. What if that's the condition of our spirit? See, if water uh, is symbolic of the spirit and God says actually in the supernatural you are meant to be 100% spirit, 100% water. And then you say, okay, t- turn the taps off in, in life. Water is no longer available. Pretty much everything we do is add water. Take the water away, we die. So what if in the supernatural, the same principle, take the Holy Spirit away, you die. 
to the degree that the Holy Spirit is present is the degree to which there is life. So I don't know what the spiritual equivalent of hydrating is. Imagine if you walked around with a bottle called the Holy Spirit and you kept on hydrating with the Holy Spirit. I mean, what, what if that's our problem? We don't have enough Holy Spirit. And God says, it's all here. You can have as much as you can drink. Now, I mean, when you drink, you don't know that your body, 80% of your body is hydrating. I mean, that's a marketing term to make you dependent on water that you don't really need to buy, but never mind. What happens if a lot of the answers of our cries of our heart would be found if we actually drank more water in the spirit? Because you don't, you're not aware when you drink the water that your body is kind of absorbing it and it's all helping it be healthy and stuff. And there's much about the Holy Spirit that you're not going to be aware of. We've got into this place, I think, unfortunately, where we've become so experience-oriented that if I don't feel it, then it's not happening. I mean, do you have an emotional and physical experience every time you have a drink of water? Oh, did you feel that? I mean, imagine. When I drink, I shake. Oh! You kind of just slurp it in. What happens if lots about God is like that? He just says, just, I don't care if you splash it over, I don't care, just get it in you. What happens if, if the key to a lot of our powerlessness or our stuckness is because we've forgotten about the Holy Spirit? That the Holy Spirit is the grand climax. The Holy Spirit is the reason for the Father creating. The Holy Spirit is the reason for Jesus going to the cross and rising again. We are the people most to be pitied who sit around the cross and say, Jesus, thank you so much that you died from the cross. Thank you so much that I'm now born again. Thank you so much. And you go, now what? Because this, the natural masks the supernatural. When you're born again, what happens? Well, I've been in my diapers in the nursery at church for 25 years. Wow. Aren't I glad I died for you and rose again? I just got a bunch of babies. They cry all the time. They want to be fed all the time. They're spoiled all the time. They're irritable. They scratch each other. They're actually meant to grow up and be warriors. Take care of others. But they still need milk. You're going to miss me when I'm gone. There's an element of this calling it up, calling it up, calling it up for more. There's more, there's more, there's more. The disciples were terrified of going on without Jesus. And God said, you're not without me. I'm sending the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is going to go with you. He's going to be better than me because he's going to live inside you. And actually when we love you and we come to you, we're going to make our home in you. So we're playing housey-housey together. We're all there together. The four of us. And so you start saying, so God's inside you if you've said yes to Jesus and he, has to, he, he comes in, use your imagination. He says, I've got to live here? Are you serious? I mean, look at you on the inside. And what are all these locked doors? I mean, you won't let me get out of the hallway. Let me come into your living room. Let me come and see your guests and friends. 
Let me see your mind. Let's go and have a look at that. Oh, no, 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 no. See, if you want to know the presence of the Holy Spirit in you, He's already speaking to you. He's easy to hear. He speaks to you through your conscience. He speaks to you through the way you think about yourself. He speaks to you through the way that you engage with other people. It's not difficult. You don't have to be supernatural. You are more supernatural than you realize. And He's speaking to you now. How does it work? Think of a picture. I wish I had one, but I don't, which is of a water wheel. What does a water wheel do? It's placed in a river. The river flows through. It has buckets on it. It turns it around. It powers the dynamo. A water wheel is not necessarily very attractive. But when it's placed in the river, and the river of the, the power that says water has power, and you go, well, I swim in the water. I don't feel much power other than it can take me out and drown me. So no, water has power. And you go, well, how does that power get manifest? It gets manifest when something is placed into it to draw the power out of it, of its movement. Well, the Holy Spirit in you is, does to you what the water wheel experiences. He empowers you in a way that nothing else will. But you have to place yourself in the stream, in the river. Now, how do you do that? You just say, Jesus, I place myself in the river. Everything about the God from our perspective is activated through our word. Said this many times before. Everything, go back to Genesis. Everything God said was created, came into being. The way the Holy Spirit and the kingdom works on earth is activated by faith through words spoken out. That's why when we're praying and when we're speaking to one another, you say, What is God saying? What do you want? You have to give words to things. You can't just be passive. If you're passive, nothing will change. God has called us to be co laborers, co heirs, co workers, interdependent with Him. So everything from God is add water, which is add the Spirit. What is my Spirit saying? What is my Spirit saying? If I go through a whole lot of references, which I'm not going to have time for, in Genesis the Spirit hovered over the earth because God the Father is creating, but the Spirit is the one through whom He creates. So He creates the heaven and the earth. He separates them, the day and the night and all the rest of it. He creates through spoken word. The Spirit brings power and creates. That's why you can speak to sickness. In the name of Jesus, I command you to be healed. We prayed for um, Chris many, many times. You walk in here and say, how's your back? Oh, it's all the, uh, Lord, we pray for this back. So hallelujah, that something's happening. You just go, I don't understand it. I guess we keep praying until something changes. The Holy Spirit is a comforter. Not a comforter that you just wrap around you and keep you away from the wolves. No, the comforter who actually says, I'm with you all the time. I'm present for you. Seek the Lord's comfort. Seek His presence. And you don't have to, you, you know, the, the thing about all these things that I'm talking about this morning is you don't actually, you don't have to cry out for them. Oh God, I pray for your comfort. He says, I'm here, don't shout. Lord, we pray for your presence. He said, I never left you. Live from supply. Live from acceptance. Live from identity. Thank you, Father, that I'm your son. Thank you that you have given me everything on heaven, in heaven, on earth, in me. I'm just learning how to steward it and realize it. And sometimes I have to wait because I don't see it. That's all part of a journey. But live from a place of uh, you're not withholding anything from me. 
I'm going to trust you. The irritating thing with God, and he's going to need to explain it to most of us, is why do you always wait till the last minute? And he goes, well, I'm like FedEx, or, or you know, I don't have to. What's, what's the point of stocking it up before you need it? So just in the nick of time, here it is. Why did you ever doubt? Well, I just believe a little more if I can see it now. He says, well, you can see me now. Aren't I enough? And I'm going to give you community. Aren't they enough? We should be such a community that nothing can happen to us that would cause us to feel abandoned or alone. Nothing. Nothing. That nothing can happen to us that would cause us to push each other away. Because we're not like the world. Our relationship undergirds everything that happens. We haven't got there yet. We're conditional lovers. You don't need the Holy Spirit to do that, by the way. It's powerless love. It's easy love. It's the world's kind of love. You don't need the Holy Spirit to love in an extraordinary way like that. That's why they said the Christians will be known by their love. No matter what you do. No matter how much you fall. No matter how much you fail. No matter how much you disagree. You're held together by the bonds of love in Jesus as a community. And if you can't do that, then you start saying, Lord, what are you doing? He says, I'm teaching you how to get there. And how do I learn how to get there? Well, this has to die. Oh, I like the song about death, but I didn't have to do it. What has to die? The stuff that gets in the way of me. Just like with the disciples. If you want to grow as a Christian and you want to mature as a Christian, you want to be a contribution instead of just taking hold of stuff and feeding yourself, then pay attention to your attitudes and pay attention to how you show up in life every single day. And I promise you, everything will change. Pay attention to how much you excuse yourself. Pay attention to how much you give yourself, you cut yourself slack and how little you cut other people slack. I promise you, you will see things change significantly. You're all nodding your heads because you love that sound of truth hitting the fan. So you see, it's really cool that I'm not responsible for you. It's your issue, not mine. The trouble is we can get hard and we can... Uh, I'm not going to go down that road. I just Because if we show up with the Holy Spirit in us, people will know we're loved and we can have our disagreements and we can work them out in a spirit of humility. And the thing about God is he's irritatingly simple because he just says, by their fruit you will know them. And you go, oh shoot. Sorry, that's not good fruit. What? Your anger. Well... Peace be with you. Why are you so angry? Well, let's go for a walk and work it out. One spirit and one body and one Corinthians. Jesus says he will be with us. His presence will be with us in 1 John 4.13. I don't have time to go through these. He also says he will guide us into all understanding the Holy Spirit in 1 Corinthians 2 verse 10. The thing about the Holy Spirit and about God the Father and, and, and the Son is that they all work together. You can't speak to the Holy Spirit about Jesus badly. You can't moan to the Father about the Holy Spirit. He just says, well, we're all here, so you can't speak behind our backs. And we always agree. So what's your problem? 
Well, I like the Father because he's always protective and Jesus died on the cross, but the Holy Spirit makes me feel uncomfortable. He's very emotional. No, he's not very emotional. He's just trying to get you to be emotional. Well, I prefer to be quiet. And he says, I know, that means you're sick. No, I'm sick. It's just I was born that way. He said, excuse me, I'm your creator. I didn't make you like that. And how come you get emotional over a music session or you get emotional over a hockey game, but when you're in my presence, you suddenly become like a a, a paralyzed statue. What's with that? Oh God, why do you have to bring it up? He says, because you asked me to work in you so that I can work through you. So I'm going to make you whole. Add water. Add the Holy Spirit. Stop defending stuff in you that God is trying to actually both kill and then bring to life in a new way. So, I'm going to show you a video. Just going to um, there's some people, and I have to speak to this, and I have to address it because it's important. There's some people who are so fixated on the Holy Spirit, they just say the Holy Spirit. Have you ever had that? Holy Spirit led me. The Holy Spirit told me. The Holy Spirit gave me a dream. The Holy Spirit, and you go, yeah. So now what? If I disagree with you, I'm blaspheming God and the Holy Spirit. Don't be so intense. The Holy Spirit prompts, the Holy Spirit guides, the Holy Spirit speaks, the Holy Spirit gives emotions, gives dreams, gives all kinds of things without question. What's the problem? The problem is not the Holy Spirit, the problem is me. Because me comes with a bit of a wounded past, an interesting present, um, a strange thought life and lots of messy emotions. So when the Holy Spirit seeps into me, it sometimes gets a little distorted. That's why I need to test what the Holy Spirit is doing by submitting it to one another. So I go, I think the Holy Spirit might be saying this. So the hallmark of the Holy Spirit working in us as brothers and sisters is servant-like, is humble and suggests, this is what I'm sensing. And because God actually doesn't trust me with the whole of his revelation, he says, I'm going to give you a little bit and then I'm going to give these people a little bit and together you're going to get the whole picture because then you're going to be interdependent and you're going to be much safer. So don't use me, the Holy Spirit, to create an identity for yourself about being anointed. Or don't take a gift that I'm giving you and start wearing it as if it's your badge of honor because you will do a lot of damage to one another and you'll be a real pain to live with and actually to me as well, God, you know, because what starts in the Spirit ends in the flesh. So, let me illustrate it. You remember James and John? They were followers of Jesus. He called them from Galilee and uh, they followed him and they were filled with the Spirit. They went out healing people. They went, no doubt, with the 72. The Holy Spirit was on them. What happens? They're journeying up to Jerusalem with Jesus. And Jesus says, let's go into the Samaritan village. And the Samaritans believe that the Mount Gerizim is the Holy of Holies for Jews and they are incredibly opposed to the Jews who go to Jerusalem. So, Jesus sends disciples ahead of him to to prepare a place for them in, in the Samaritan town and the Samaritans turn around and say, we don't want him in here, he's going up to Jerusalem. He's not one of us. 
So the disciples come back and they're pretty infuriated because you, you, just exu- you just insulted our friend and our boss and Jesus. So what does James and John do? Anointed by the Spirit. Lord, shall we bring down fire upon the Samaritan village and destroy them? And Jesus says, oh, James and John. He was indignant, it said. In other words, he was ticked off at their response. He said, I gave you authority and the spirit not to fry those who don't agree with us. Not to kill people who happen to not offer you a home tonight. Vengeance is mine, not yours. What does that mean? It means you can't take God, you can't take the Holy Spirit and make them your plaything or make them do what you want. Because God's Spirit adores every human being. Because His Spirit treats everyone like that illustration I said right at the beginning with uh, a diseased foot. He, He is not willing to lose anyone. The song we sang, if you would leave everything just for the one. Anybody with whom I'm having trouble might be his just for the one. And he goes, you can either be a problem in their lives or you can actually be the one through whom I'm going to speak to bring them to know me because they saw you. I was reading a testimony of somebody who went to Holy Trinity Brompton um, apparently 45 years ago and this woman didn't actually, no, 1940s, and she didn't even want to go to church but she decided she'd try this church and the person who was greeting at the door said hello to them and introduced herself. The next day, she, next week, she came through the same door, same person was there, and the person said, Hello, Barbara. She was so impressed. Somebody remembered her name. She came back, became a Christian, and served. She died, I think, a few years ago at about 100 years old. She'd been part of that church ever since. You never know. You want to know how to be filled up with the Holy Spirit, how to be ongoingly filled up. Here's a video that I thought was quite a good illustration. Isn't that cool? What strikes you with that is that to get rid of the darkness, you don't focus on the darkness, you focus on being filled. And sometimes we're so busy trying to get rid of the stuff rather than actually take hold of Jesus and receive his spirit and his presence will actually begin to shrink and diminish that other stuff. And that's where the streams of living water flow from us as God works in us and around us. So, let's stand.